when you are looking for something, oh, I want to spoil myself and I want to have a piece of chocolate. Well, okay, that, have it. Mm. <laughs> and it, yeah. that, that's not a problem, is it? No, no. Look, all foods are equal. Um, and I, I really say that with, with full belief in that, that all foods are, are equal. Welcome to the Secret Women's Business Podcast. This podcast is for women and it is about women. It is a place where curiosity meets answers. And today we are very lucky to have a special guest, Bianca Skilbeck. That's right, isn't it, Skilbeck? Skilbeck, uh, yeah. Yeah. Bianca is an eating disorder and disordered eating and addiction recovery specialist, CEO and founder of Freedom of Food, Freedom from, from Food, rather, and has yep. a very important message that I believe every woman um, needs to hear. Uh, we're going to talk about that plus much more. And um, as I pick Bianca's brain clean, welcome, Bianca. I'm so happy that you're here. Hi, Jodie. Thanks for having me here. Thanks for the invite. Yeah, you're welcome. Now, let me just brag on your behalf. Um, I'm going to fangirl on you for a moment. <laughs> Please do. Got my piece of paper here and uh, I sh uh, unashamedly read off it while I'm doing these podcasts. Um, so your list of qualifications, clinical and practicing hypnotherapist and certified uh, certificate for and diploma in hypnotherapy, advanced clinical um, qualifications in resource therapy, advanced clinical qualifications in neuro-linguistic pro programming, is an improved, uh, approved practitioner for the Australian Centre of Eating Disorders, is an approved practitioner for the Butterfly Foundation, registered member of Australian Hypnotherapy Association, and you are currently in your third year of psychology degree at Monash Uni and CEO <laughs> and founder of, from, founder of Freedom From Food. And my first question is, how do you find the time? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, that's a good question, actually. Yeah, I'm feeling pretty good at the moment because uni's just ended for the year, so um, I'm back in business mode at the moment. But yeah, it gets a bit hectic at certain points. Yeah, and look, and and I think reading off all that, it's just a a little note for everyone that you know what you're talking about and you have the qualifications to back that up. And I've got um, I've so many questions for you, and I want to, but I just want to dive into some housekeeping first. So for those mm -hmm. that are listening on the podcast, um, if you like to see ha people's hands flapping around and, and faces, you can come and watch this um, podcast on YouTube. And if you're on YouTube and my hand flapping is very distracting, just head on over to the podcast and uh, listen to us there rather than watch my hand flapping. Um, I've got the links in the description below for both, so um, you can be, find them easy. I've, now, I've got a million questions, so hopefully we've got time for them all. Um, if not, we'll just have to get you back on the channel. That's yeah, my, no problem. That's my <laughs> way of getting you back in. So um, are we ready to dive in? Ready. Excellent. So I just wanted to kind of go back to the start because um, you've had an interesting journey, and I just wanted to know, like, what's got you here today at Freedom From Food? What's your journey been like? Yeah, so should I start my journey professionally or personally or, or what sort of angle um, is wherever more interesting? You, wherever you want to, I guess, maybe personal because that's kind of taking you on this journey. Um, yeah. Professional role. Yeah. 
They're sort of uh, inextricably linked, aren't they? <laughs> of course, for all of us, yeah. Um, so look, you know, these days my title, as, as you've read out everything, I'm a clinical hypnotherapist, counsellor, I'm studying uh, psychology at, at Monash. Um, it's something that I've always known that I've wanted to do. So um, even as a teenager, um, I knew that I wanted to be a therapist of some sort. I didn't really, didn't really have a title for that, didn't really uh, fully... Um, yeah, know what that meant at the time, but I always knew I wanted to be in this field of some sort. Uh, wasn't ready at all though, um, you know, finishing school to really get into that. Um, so yeah, as, as a teenager, I knew what I wanted to do, but I spent a lot of my 20s just traveling um, and doing odd jobs and all of that sort of thing. Um, I uh, studied my um, certificate and diploma in hypnotherapy in my late 20s and qualified it's about six years ago now um, and I opened a business um, I was living in the southeast of Melbourne at that time so that was uh, southeastern hypnotherapy and counseling uh, and more recently in the last year or two I've moved over to the western suburbs of Melbourne um, decided that I really want a niche um, in my speciality which is the eating disorder treatment stuff so uh, rebranded to freedom from food which just felt a lot more comfortable and um, a lot more what I'm about um, so personally I've got my own history of eating disorder um, both under and overeating at different times in my life which started when I was quite young actually so that's very much prompted my own introspection on, on the topic um, from a very early age as well um, and yeah really of course driven the, the professional interest as well yeah um, so what can I know you touched on that a little bit of having your own eating disorders, but what compelled you to work with others that have had that um, an eating disorder or um, disordered eating? Yeah, look, I think for me, um, I guess the, the, the problem has seemed so profound um, for me in a sense because when we talk about eating disorders and we talk about food, I think people get a particular idea in their mind of what they look for that looks like and I think that they get a particular idea that you know there's just this very small percentage maybe of people that have an eating disorder like that this is just a really minority sort of part of the population um, but it's not something that most people have to worry about or anything like that but I, I see it differently I suppose because for me eating disorders are just a spectrum disorder uh, I mean we've all got a relationship with food and I think that for everybody that that fluctuates to a degree um, and when we bring that word disorder into things it's just really referring to how big those fluctuations are and how chronic they are and how much that impacts a person's life so you know for me the eating disorder stuff it's not it's not actually a minority problem I think it's something that a lot of people contend with uh, and they do it in silence um, as well I think that especially um, for women the topic of food you know can be a topic that really brings up a lot of stuff and so we're not just talking about food yeah. um, at, at the end of the day we're talking about like some really fundamental things about how people relate to themselves how they care for themselves how they see the world so for me it's a really profound topic you know food is just the very surface level um, you know that that's how it's being presented that's the symptom but it, it runs so much deeper so I find it fascinating and I find it um, perplexing and I find it just really interesting um, you know everybody's got such a different experience and such a deep experience um, and for me it's just it's a rabbit hole that um, yeah I've sort of gone down and I yeah it's it, for me it just I, I learn more and more every day um, you know I guess 
I guess that's the thing. Like, I feel like it's something that I, I could do for the foreseeable future and I'll never stop learning. Yeah, and like, I just want to touch on that. We talked about um, people, you know, think it's just a small percentage of um, women that have a problem with um, an eating disorder and they kind of see it as somebody that's anorexic or bulimic and that's it. But, you know, there's a lot of misconceptions out there. So as an expert in the field, how would you uh, define, uh, maybe that's the word, define what actually is or isn't an eating disorder? Because, look, I see a lot everywhere and um, you know, people talking about overeating and sometimes we just do that, overeating and have food co- uh, coma and then you know people say oh that's binge eating and i mean sometimes we're just overeaten in that moment so how would you say you know where it gets to a point where someone needs that extra help or it is a problem yeah yeah look um and and what you're referring to there is is the spectrum that i referred to so you know of course it's normal for you know for everybody to do things like overeat sometimes like who hasn't have had those moments you know um, Christmas Day after a big lunch, you know, some big party. It's the holidays. We're trying new food. Uh, you know, it's it's totally normal to overeat. Um, it's totally normal to sometimes undereat for for whatever reason. I mean, life just gets in the way sometimes. Um, so what we're referring to are very normal behaviours around food. Um, but I think that um, you know the idea of of a disorder is just how much does it start to disrupt a person's life really um and i think that you know as we said before there's this perception that it's really just a minority um that are experiencing this this disruption but i i believe it's a much bigger um you know proportion of, of people um you know some statistics have said that a diagnosable um eating disorder like that the stats are about four percent of the australian population but more recent statistics have have said that that's doubled and even more than that really and it really it all depends on diagnostic criteria as well i mean i don't i suppose want to get too um you know involved or or, or you know go into deep into this sort of stuff on on this on this um recording in this podcast but um binge eating disorder for example was only added into the um the dsm 5 uh in 2013 so that's the diagnostic yeah. manual of disorders and um yeah, you know of course it's existed before them but that's you know that's that's you know when it was put into into the dsm in 2013 and that's now the largest category of people seeking help uh, for food issues yeah. and you know it, it's just not as as obvious i suppose and you know, I guess the problem with something like binge eating is that it's traditionally been seen as a moral issue. Um, you know, when we see somebody who's eating too much or seeing somebody who we quote unquote say is overweight, they, they've got a problem, it's been labelled as a moral issue, you know, rather than, um, you know, something else really as, as a psychological problem. Um, so, you know, you could also have a physical reason why you're overweight or of a course. reason you know i think of course yeah and i don't even like to use the terms you know overweight underweight i mean you know what uh, over what weight <laughs> you, you know yeah. everybody's different um you know so I, I think we've got to be really careful about the language um you know of, of some of these things and there's all sorts of reasons why a person will be in the size body that they're in um 
you know, the, the truth is that we can't look at somebody and know what their health is. We can't look at somebody and know anything about their physical health or their mental health. Um, so I, I really want to uncouple this idea of weight and health. Um, they're not, you know, there's, there's, you know, there's this difference between causation and correlation. Um, you know, and we can't look at somebody's weight and, and really be able to say anything about their health. We just don't know. So yeah. I think I, I think I went off on a bit of a tangent there, but um, yeah, yeah. Just sort of bring it back to the initial question: How do we say when it's actually a disorder rather than just just regular behaviour? You know, it's really when somebody is coming to you and saying, you know, this is distressing. It's getting in the way of me living the life that I, I want to live. You know, it's stopping me from pursuing um, the 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 work stuff that matters to me, the social stuff that matters to me. Um, you know, it, it, it's, it's getting in the way, it's, it's becoming obsessive in my mind, you know, that's, that's when we start to sort of look at a more disordered approach. Yeah, and look at just touching back on what you were saying before is, <clears throat> you know, the connection between somebody's weight and somebody's health isn't mm. necessarily have anything to do with one or the other, you know, like uh, right now for me, I'm going through perimenopause, so... Um, there's all sorts of things that are going on with my hormones that has caused um, a gain in my weight. Um, I'm really healthy and um, yeah. one has nothing to do with the other. It's just life. And, um, yeah. you know, I, I just really would love a world where it just was even a non-event. You know, like even voting, you know, like when we had to vote for marriage equality, it should have yeah. been a non-event. It should have just been what we do. Same thing with what people weigh and... Mm -hmm. um, how people uh what people uh look like i mean if you want to um lose weight for your own benefit you feel better you know fine but um how everybody is is how it yeah. is and it'd be ideal to have that just accepted um i think we're yeah. a long road before that happens yeah, and I think you've, you've touched on an important point there, Jody. Um, putting those two things in the same sentence. So um, the inherent homophobia um, that culturally has existed for a long time, um, it's, it, it all fits into the, same, into the same timeline, into the same story. When we look at discrimination against particular kinds of people, yeah. fat phobia is a thing. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, you know, the, the idea that some bodies are better than others and some bodies are worth more than others, um, you know, that's, that really, that, that idea sits in, 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 a, in, a, in a foundation of discrimination. Um, so you're absolutely right to connect the dots there between something like fat phobia and homophobia or racism or, you know, any other kind of prejudice that, that we can think of, yeah. And I, I, I feel like social media isn't really helping right now either and you think about all the influencers um people mm. on Instagram, and i mean good on them but um it's all kind of coming out now that they uh photoshop all their photos to look a certain way in an unrealistic way and um people are aspiring to look like a, a photoshopped image and it's i feel like it's just causes this kind of anxiety in people i had a young friend that was following all these people and becoming so anxious um because she didn't look like that and i'm like unfollow them all i made her unfollow them all i said yeah not watching them 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. Social media is an interesting one. It's um, you know, it can be used for the greater good, or it can be used, you know, in the way that you're referring to. I think, um, you know, I really encourage people to, um, as I would say, like curate their their social media platforms. I mean, there's a lot of, you know, especially on Instagram, um, there's a lot of really body positive, um, you know, proactive people that are really well versed in this language of anti discrimination and of inclusivity for everybody um and you know it really just depends on what what you're exposing yourself to i mean i think that social media can be really used uh you know to support your journey through to self-acceptance yeah. or it can be used to support your journey through to self-hate um you know so you know it, it is up to the individual in a sense to sort of um yeah, I suppose find find that right balance for themselves. But of course, you know, young people can be, you know, can be, you know, very very vulnerable um, naturally to that sort of stuff. So it's something we've got to be careful of. Uh, yeah, and I think for the younger ones too, I think as adults, as parents, as mothers, um, sisters, aunts, whatever, um, you know, that's that message to those young people um, from us. You know, because in our um, you know, or in all ages, we've had this discrimination. So I think if we all start talking about it and we all start behaving differently, then and teaching the young people, um, you know, about uh, not discriminating and fat shaming, just yeah. like not being sexist or um, yeah. ageists, you know, the ageists yep. as well. I, I think you know, we can only do what we can do. I think is probably yeah, what and yeah, I, yeah. And it's that whole, um, you know, the, the do as I say, not as I do thing. Um, of course, it doesn't work. <laughs> um, uh, you know, if we want to really give our young people, a, a, you know, a good model of, of, you know, what it is like to accept themselves, we really need to be doing that for them as well. So, you know, as people who are mothers and teachers and um, you know, just have hold these higher positions in, in young people's lives. We really need to be showing them what it's like uh, to accept ourselves first. Yeah, and unfortunately, that doesn't always happen when you hear some of the, <coughs> excuse me, some some of the horror stories of a teacher saying something to a, an overweight. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 So, yeah. We're all human. Um, you know, it, it's, it sucks. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, you know, but we're all human and prone to error, of course. And I really, you know, I feel for people who, um, you know, really have that internalized sense of stigma or shame around who they are. Um, you know, and they're just projecting that out to other people as well. You know, they yeah. have all, all the compassion in the world for, for that um, because I know it's hard and we're all human. <laughs> but um, it's, it, this, is, this is a cultural problem. It's, you know, it's bigger than any one individual. Yeah, and I guess as long as we kind of, you know, are conscious of it ourselves, it's all we... Yeah, we're learning. Yep. So mm. in bio, um, you mentioned something called um, health at every size. Can you tell me a little bit more? I was curious about that. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Yeah, so um, health at every size or affectionately, affectionately known as Haze um, is it, 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 start, it started as a, a social justice movement, basically. I think it was back in the 60s. Um, you know, basically, um, there was a group of people uh, in America who were tired of being discriminated against, um, you know, in the healthcare system, you know, in, in workplaces, whatever. And so... Uh, an association for fat Americans was actually started, um, and that lies at the root of Hayes. 
um, the, the social justice aspect um, of this, that, you know, regardless of a person's um, body size or regardless of a person's health status, we're all worthy of, of being considered equals. Um, you know, so that's where it all sort of started. And then later on, I guess in the last sort of couple of decades, a lot of health practitioners, so dietitians, nutritionists, therapists, psychologists, GPs, whoever else, um, have gotten behind the idea of health at every size, which um, I look at, it's such a big topic. I mean, you, you know, you could talk for hours and hours about what health at every size is, but, um, you know, basically it's, 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 it's a group of health practitioners that have gotten behind um, this philosophy that everybody deserves the right to equal treatment. Um, everybody deserves to be able to pursue their health at whatever size they are. Yeah. Um, so, and there's a distinction there between, you know, some people get a bit confused um, about health at every size and they think that it's uh, insinuating that we are healthy at every size. Um, yeah. it's, it, there's a distinction there. There's a nuance. It's not healthy at every size, yeah. um, but it's health at every size in the sense that we, regardless of our weight status, regardless of what's going on with our bodies, we've all got the right to pursue our health um, and pursue health behaviours um, and not not encounter blocks to that um you know because there's a lot of institutionalized stigma that happens against people who are in larger bodies it's harder for them to access treatment it's harder for them to just be out in the world um and and not be discriminated against and all of that stigma that they experience contributes to detrimental health outcomes you know more than than what we really recognize you know people see somebody and their body weight and they think you know make this really like a simple line sort of um you know like connection oh that person eats too much that's why they're unhealthy it's not that simple <laughs> um you know it's it, you know we are not just we're not robots um we're not machines we're not you know the whole calories in calories out thing that is a myth that has been debunked um you know because we're not robots um you know our health is so much more than just physical our health is mental emotional social spiritual financial um financial you know that's that's a big one that we could talk about forever because there is a correlation between socioeconomic status and health um you know so Health at every size is really trying to, um, you know, educate people that, uh, you know, we're not just a physical body. Um, you know, we've got so many factors that contribute to our health and regardless of those factors, we all deserve to be able to pursue our health at any size. Yeah, I love that. Sorry, I got a bit ranty there. <laughs> no, it's good. I love the passion. Um you also mentioned that you help your clients to relearn intuitive eating. Um, yeah. Yeah, that I like that sparked me as well. I'm like, what is that? What's intuitive eating? What does that look like? <laughs> I know. And isn't it so funny that, um, you know, I, I, it makes me laugh that we have to have this conversation sometimes because intuitive eating is simply just eating the way that your body tells you to eat. Like, it's, you know, we're all born with it. Um, you know, we've all... You know, I know you've got you've got kids yourself, Jody. Um, you know, when they were born, you didn't have to show them how to eat. Uh, you, you know, you didn't have to tell them when they were hungry or when they were full. They knew. <laughs> you know, they they told you. They gave you those indicators. Um, you know, we were all born with the ability to know when we're hungry versus when we're full. Um, we're all born with the ability to know our taste preferences um, and you know the things that we go for and the things that we don't like. Um, we're all born with the ability to know what feels good for us 
but in the process of diet culture and in the process of creating all of these rules and all these morals around food people forget intuitive eating so yeah, yeah in a sense it sort of a, it makes me laugh when we say you know what's intuitive eating like you know <laughs> how do I do that <laughs> like that's how we were born we were born to we were born to intuitively eat and diet culture kind of unteaches us all of that so yeah. yeah and like this i think also processed foods doesn't help with that either because if something's got a lot of salt or a lot of sugar in it and can make you crave that more and want to eat yeah it, so i mean yeah look um you know i guess i guess there's some there's some different lines of thought on on that topic um you know there's some good research that shows that people who have a history of dieting uh for whatever reason uh, tend to gravitate towards those foods more um, and so what we can wonder there is you know is it the processed foods that are making people crave more or is it the fact that there's been deprivation in the past um, you know which is making people crave those foods more um, you know that, that would be the angle that health at every size would take on that um, you know that you know, regardless of our food environment and the things that are available to us, when we put ourselves in deprivation, aka diet, it makes us obsess about food <laughs> and it makes us go for really high calorie foods. Um, that's a biological, you know, survival instinct. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. I mean, what about when, um, you know, some people tend to, you know, you hear people say, I have a sweet tooth and. Mm -hmm. Growing up, I never did have a sweet tooth. It was never kind of, I don't yeah. know whether it was because it just wasn't part of my culture going growing up. We never really had anything around sweets or, or sweets in the house. Um, okay. It was no big deal. I don't know whether that's, you know, me now. I'm not, I don't really have an interest in it where, you know, mm. I know a lot of women love chocolate for, you know, mm. um, do we love chocolate because we're women and we're supposed to love chocolate or um, have we grown up? with um you know maybe our mums loved it maybe that's how we learned but for me it's not mm. a sweet thing i'm a savory thing so you know like yeah. i could eat a block of chocolate no problems uh not a block of chocolate a block of cheese i could eat a block of cheese in one sitting where uh, you know someone that could eat a block of chocolate thinks that that's gross so you know yeah, yeah. that sort of thing yeah, I mean, of course, everybody's got their taste preferences, um, you know, and some people just prefer sweet, some people prefer savoury, um, you know, th there's all sorts of options to choose from there. Um, you know, chocolate is a big conversation, isn't it? Because it's such a it's such a trigger point for so many people. Yeah, um, yeah women, yes, but people, um, you know, in, in general as well. And it's one of those foods that we're really told it's bad, you know, where, where it gets, gets put in the good, bad food categories. Yeah. And we're told that that's bad and that's something you shouldn't have um and i think uh we're socialized in in you know along those kinds of lines of, of yeah. thinking and so if you're going to be naughty you're gonna have chocolate aren't you um so there's so much to it beyond the chemical property um you know of, that, of, um, of food. there's the marketing that's kind of in, involved in some of it too like it's indulgent and it's decadent oh, it's and yeah it's fun and you're spoiling yourself and so yep you know well food's just food really so um yeah and i think that kind of becomes a little bit confusing as well when you are looking for something oh i want to spoil myself <coughs> and i want to have a piece of chocolate well okay that have it 
Mm. And it, yeah. that, that's not a problem, is it? No, no. Look, all foods are equal. Um, and I, I really say that with with full belief in that, that all foods are, are equal. They're all morally equal. Like if you want to choose to eat the chocolate or you want to choose to eat the apple, cool. Like, yeah. you know, yeah. this is not a moral decision. <laughs> like this is, you know, your body telling you you need something in particular, go for it. Yeah. So what would you say, like, it, you know, I, I would imagine people might be thinking, well, you know, chocolates, having chocolate for breakfast isn't necessarily a, a healthy thing for you. Um, and they might, you know, that saying all food, food is equal may raise that kind of question with people where they'll definitely, say, yeah. So, you know, well, that's not healthy. Um, yeah. Yep. Yeah. So what would, what do you say there? Um, yeah, it, it, it's a really big conversation. It's, it's sort of, it's quite difficult to condense, I suppose. Um, you know, generally when people are really eating in tune, um, so when they're eating intuitively, when they're attuned to what their body is telling them, um, you know, when they're, when they're viewing all foods as equal and I'm allowed to choose whatever I want from any category, they're all fine, um, you know, and, and they're all morally equal, people don't generally tend to want um, a block of chocolate for breakfast. Um, and that's not to say that, like, if you do want it, that's cool too. <laughs> yeah, it, like, if you, if you do want it, that's fine. Um, and certainly when people start going into this intuitive eating process, there can be that real reactive, um, you know, well, I'm just going to eat it all now because I've never let myself, I've never really let myself embrace this food. Yeah. So now I'm just going to eat it all. Um, you know, and, and myself rolling around in cheese and that's right. <laughs> and biscuits and rubbing yep. them my face. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So, you know, going into the intuitive eating process, for a lot of people, there can be that real sense of like, well, I've never really given myself permission around certain yeah. kinds of foods. And if I'm going to give myself full permission, I'm just going to go crazy with it. Um, and for a lot of people, they do go crazy with it for a bit. But as long that as wouldn't last. themselves that permission, yeah. um, then yeah. it starts to even out a bit, you know, because if you are always allowed to have chocolate and it's never off the table and it's starting to become just morally the same as anything else, yeah. then, then your urgency around that food starts to drop a bit and your fear around that food starts to drop a bit. Yeah. And soon you find that actually I don't feel good when I eat a block of chocolate for breakfast yeah. um, and maybe I do prefer something else instead. Um, and that's when people are actually listening to their bodies. Like that's yeah. when they're actually tuning in and going, Hey, so all foods are available. What do I actually feel like now? Yeah, and yeah, and I think the the word morally equal is really the important thing there in that in that equation. We're not saying they're uh, nutritionally equal. We're saying exactly. morally equal. Yeah, yeah exactly, so exactly. Why do, do you think we actually develop these um, eating disorders? What do you think is kind of like a main um, trigger or catalyst? Mm, um, diet culture. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so a culture that says that thin is better um, and that we should all be thin and that's what we value. Um, that That is what we call diet culture and that is a huge part of, of the development of eating disorders. I'm not going to suggest that it's everything, um, you know, because... You know, people who develop an eating disorder tend to have, tend to share a bunch of common traits. So tend to be 
perfectionists, um, you know, tend to set pretty high standards for themselves, uh, tend to be people pleasers, uh, tend to maybe be quite rigid in their thinking um, and tend to like rules and structure and all of that sort of thing. So, um, and, and, you know, the list goes on. Uh, there, there, there are common personality traits um, that, that really fuel that fire of really developing a, a full-blown eating disorder but it's diet culture that kind of sits at the base of that. I sort of think that, you know, a person might have all of those personality traits, but let's say, let's say we really, in our society, we really valued fat bodies. Like, let's say that we all aspired to be fat, that that was, that that was the thing that was really valued. Yeah. Would there be people that would be starving themselves and dieting constantly and, and all that sort of thing? They might have all those personality traits, Probably just channel into something else instead. Um, so the fact that they're choosing, um, yeah. the, you know, to, to, to aspire to thinness and all of the, the perfectionism and the high standards and all that sort of stuff is being channeled into food and body stuff. That's diet culture. Yeah, I hope that makes sense. I guess, I guess some people they um, it's just scratching my leg. I'm really itchy today for some reason. Um, I guess you know some people might channel it into an eating disorder. Another person might channel that um, all those kind of behaviour traits into something else like um, yeah, work. Yeah, um, anxiety. You know, yeah, anxiety disorders and stuff like that as well. And yeah, 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 or. Um, yep. You know, relationships, codependency, all of that sort of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah. Um, so I'm not suggesting that um, diet culture is responsible for the cultivation of those personality traits. I think that they they exist regardless. And yeah. and at the end of the day, we've all got to learn how to deal with ourselves. <laughs> you know, we've all got to learn how to deal with the fact no, that... That's the challenge. <laughs> yeah, that the world is an uncertain place that we don't always get what we want, um, that we can't control everything. Um, you know, we're really talking about quite high-level, um, almost spiritual concepts, um, you know, in a sense, when we're learning how to just accept and to be. Um, you know, that that's the challenge for everybody. Um, you know, but the fact that we have diet culture and we've got this thin ideal and whatever, it just it's just a hook. Like, it's just, you know, for, for those people that feel really unsettled, about themselves and want to channel that energy into something i think you know they look at that and go oh well okay you know how am i going to be loved and accepted and perfect in this world i will die i'll be thin yeah yeah wow that's interesting so mm. there, i know there's a lot of myths around eating disorders have you got any that kind of stand out that you like the audience to know that um you know like a some of the basic common or the, some of the common myths around eating disorders? Yeah. Look, I think the first one that comes to mind and what we've probably already touched on is just that it's a minority problem. Um, this is not a small minority. Um, uh, you know, there are statistics that tell us that by the time a girl is 15 years old, there's, you know, something like an 80% chance that she will have already gone on a diet. Um, and we know that dieting is one of the biggest risk, risk factors for developing an eating disorder. Um, and, you know, as I say, you know, once again, I'm brought back to this spectrum that, um, you know, we've got this idea, you know, you say eating disorders, and I think most people get a picture in their mind of the emaciated anorexic who's in hospital, um, you know, it's a very visible signs of what's going on. Um, but an eating disorder is so much more than that. That yeah. that's, that's an extreme end of one example 
of one presentation, but it's so much more than that. You know, if a person is, um, you know, binging and purging every day, that is that is just so terrible for for their health and so dangerous. Um, yeah. You know, to be doing that, but we we might not necessarily know they could be having a very average kind of weight or even they could be a bit overweight um quote unquote um you know so there's so much more to an eating disorder than just that stereotype picture of, of what we think an eating disorder is um you know when, when people are just experiencing so much distress around what they should eat and what they shouldn't eat and just obsessive thinking about it and yeah. um and this is affecting them it, it's disordered isn't it it's it's you know not fun it becomes that you know uh constant thing all day of i know for myself being on keto um for the uh, like i was told that it will help heal the uh, adrenal gland so i went on it but it's just that whole oh well what can i eat what can't i eat it just becomes this focus your day is this focus on food and putting in your macros and everything i mean it's exhausting i would be a terrible totally. because yeah like i just go oh god that's too hard so oh, and it's not just you jody it's, it's everybody like uh, you know there are very few people who can sustain very rigid diets like that because mm. diets like that really don't take into account every other aspect of health that we've got <laughs> Physical. All life, um, everyday yes. life. Yeah. yeah, yeah, like we might say like keto is really great for your physical health. I don't know if it is or isn't, um, you know, but, you know, let's say it is for argument's sake that keto is really great for your physical health. Is it great for your mental health if it's making you obsess about what you can and can't have? Yeah. Is it great for It switches the focus. Or? Yeah, it like it switches yeah. your focus in the day around food. Like yeah. it's exhausting. I mean, yes. you're, I'm already tired from the adrenal fatigue, you know, yes. and then having to go, oh my God, what do I have to eat? So I do, yeah. I do it the lazy way. I just prep. Stress is a big contributor of weight gain. Yeah. I, I uh, just prep yeah. on the weekends and then I eat that during the week. Really lazy yeah. Way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so diets like keto or whatever else we might want to, you know, look at. Um, you know, it, it, maybe it could be argued that they're good for your physical health, and I don't know if they are or aren't. But they're not taking into account psychological, emotional, social health. Uh, you know, how healthy is it? You know, when your friends say to you, "Hey, let's all catch up for like pizza and a drink on Friday night," and you're either like. A, can't go because this diet doesn't allow it. Yeah. Or B, yeah, I'll come along, but I'll bring my own food and I'll sit there feeling like a little bit of an outsider. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I just don't, I mean, each to their own. And, uh, you know, at, at the end of the day, body autonomy is what is the most important thing. Everyone's got the right to choose what they want to do. I'm not going to sit here and say that you can or cannot diet. You know, it is your choice to do that. Yeah. Um, you know, but... Like for me, that wouldn't that wouldn't feel healthy. Uh, for me, that wouldn't feel like a holistic approach to my health. Yeah, it just like I, I, when I when I went away overseas um, in the UK, like you really can't get keto friendly food. So the whole time, I'm just like, oh well, you know, I won't eat it. But my more concern was, am I going to lose my energy? Um, is mm -hmm. it going to affect my um, energy? and you know yeah it did and i'm probably suffering for that now but um you know there's got to be something else other than you know i do feel like food can heal you and you know having um macronutrients and stuff like that i'm a big believer in that being healthy um 
but you know the the focus on what I did notice with this and I'm not a fan of dieting or diets at all I actually have a never diet again because I actually don't believe in them I don't believe they work and I just think like you said they um, lead us down the rabbit hole of um, just where you just don't want to be or don't want to go um, I take you away from your body's natural rules your, your body knows yeah. like your body knows what feels good in it um, we're all born with that um, diets just take you away from that yeah and I, look and I've understanding that I've never been a big dieter or anything like that so when I've had to do this for health reasons you know it kind of really opened my eyes of how um, you know what somebody does go through on a daily basis with diet and um, how exhausting that even for somebody that's not even dieting but somebody that has a health issue um, and look I've learned so much from it so I'm not going to complain about it because I've I've learned a lot. Oh, it's all a learning experience, absolutely. Yeah, I really have learned a lot. Um, yeah. yeah. And, you know, look, even to, to return to that point about needing to do something for health issues, um, there is no health condition that is specifically related to weight. Um, and and to, put that, to put that in another way, um, there is no health condition that only fat people get. Um Every health condition out there, you can find examples of it in all body types. So, you know, the idea that we must lose weight in order to be healthy uh, is just not true. Um, we can do things to pursue our health without having to lose weight. Because weight, weight loss is just the outcome. That's the outcome of, of, of the healthy behaviours that we do. So if we focus on healthy behaviours and how to incorporate them into our lives in a way that feels good. If we just focus on that and completely separate the idea of whether or not we lose or gain weight um, yeah. and just focus on the healthy behaviours, that is health promoting. Yeah, exactly. Mm. exactly. Yeah. Um, so if people are struggling with this, um, do you know where there's resources available? For somebody who's struggling, they feel like, you know, from what we've talked about today, they may have a problem with um, food or eating or have some kind of disorder or they know they are um, in very, um, you know, uh, the, the, the end spectrum of uh, really struggling with a disorder. Where would they go? Where can they seek some help? Mm. Um, well, they can absolutely go and uh, check out my website, <laughs> freedomfromfood.com.au. Um, so I've got information there and I'm about to release a, um, a quiz actually, which will be free for people to do, um, which is going to be called How Healthy Is Your Relationship With Food? So something like that would um, give people a bit of an, an idea about, um, you know, where they sit on, the, on that spectrum. Uh, that I've been talking about um, so yeah absolutely check out the resources there but otherwise of course um, if you're listening to this in Australia we've got um, the nationally recognized association the butterfly foundation uh, has lots and lots of information about eating disorder treatment uh, I'm in Victoria uh, where we've got eating disorders Victoria uh, who have lots of information as well um, yeah, those, those, those would be the two sort of main places that I would suggest. Um, you know, alternatively, if you're really concerned, go and see your doctor. Um, your doctor will be, uh, hopefully, uh, connected, um, you know, to health practitioners that specialise uh, in these types of issues. Um, and whether that's dietitians, psychologists, counsellors, 
um, you know, other kinds of therapists. Um, there's, there's lots of help out there. Um, the, the biggest thing that I would implore people is just, just tell somebody. Um, yeah. There's so much secrecy and shame that exists around food issues. Yeah. And if we can just be more open about this and, and talk uh, about, you know, I don't find this easy. I'm having a bad day. I'm having a bad week. Um, you know, just being able to share that experience, it really lessens the lessens the load. Yeah. Now you've got a, speaking of that, you have a Facebook group and um, where people can actually do this. So if it's okay with you, I'll add that link. Um, yeah, please do. Yeah. Below. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. Any links to Bianca site, I'll go through that shortly, but I'll also any, any important links will um, add, add them below the podcast and the YouTube video. What if it's a family member or a friend and you notice that they're having an issue? How would you approach that? You know, like I, yeah. I would say the wrong thing and might trigger them. Yeah. Yep. Um, and everybody, of course, is in different stages of readiness for change. Um, you know, sometimes people can be in a really like, you know, what we would call, you know, even just like denial or, you know, like a, a pre-contemplative, um, you know, sort of stage of change. Like they're not even thinking about change. They're not interested in change. They're, um, you know, they're really just committed to whatever it is that they're doing. Um, and that's totally understandable. Um, so, uh, you know, without being a professional in the space, obviously it's, you know, sometimes can be a bit hard to gauge where people are um, in their stage of readiness for change. Um, I mean, certainly if somebody comes to you and says, I have this problem, they're probably starting to think about, you know, wanting to do something. But if you've got somebody in your life that you, that they're not acknowledging a problem, but you're still looking at behaviours and thinking, I don't, I don't know how, how well they're doing, you know, maybe even like just bringing up your own relationship with food would would be a segue in like you know if i had somebody in my life who was um you know looked to be having issues but they didn't want to to sort of say anything or reach out for help um you know maybe i would just say something about myself personally see if i could guide the conversation a little bit just see you know that's one way to to sort of yeah just to introduce the topic to i guess create a space you know when when we when we just talk about our own things sometimes it creates a bit of a space um you know where that person might eventually you know realize that space and step into that space and go oh you know jo jody asked me you know about something jody told me about her own experience or something you know maybe maybe i would like to talk about my own stuff with jody um so that would be one way that i would suggest uh, approaching it um for people who do seem very reluctant uh, to seek treatment or talk about what's going on would it be okay to ask um, them, you know, you know, are you okay? Do you need any help there? Or do you feel like you should just kind of come in at the side and mention it that way? And it, like there's the other spectrum as well. Or what if somebody is, um, I don't know whether they yeah, um, you have this, but they punish themselves with food or, you know, they mm. have a lot of junk food. Um, mm. When I say diet, I just mean dietary. Um, yep. Diet consists of eating a lot of junk food um, mm. and uh, kind of rubbish foods, and um, and not much else. So how how do you do you approach that? Do you leave them to figure that out for themselves? Like how? Yeah. Do you Look, I wouldn't. I wouldn't assume that um, that they're unhappy with that. Um, 
uh, you know, at the end of the day, as I say, we've we've all got the right to choose what we want to do with our bodies. Um, and if a person is eating, a, a, you know, their, their, their biggest dietary category is is takeaway food and they're happy with it, oh, well, like that's their choice. Yeah. Um, you know, so I guess I wouldn't necessarily assume what people actually want for themselves because they might, they might be choosing what they want um, and they might be happy. Um, in which case, like we've all got choice. We, you know, that's that's the the beauty of, of freedom. <laughs> you know, we've all got the choice to, to do what what we want to do. But um, yeah, just just creating a space to talk about it. If you, you know, if you think somebody's uh, struggling, um, it's context dependent. I mean, it, I guess it's hard for me to answer because um, you know it's really context dependent on that relationship. Um, I guess you want to be quite close to somebody, um, you know, to, to directly kind of say to them, hey, you know, it looks like you've got a problem. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, do you need help like, with that problem? So would it be around, like, what if someone's saying, um, you know, someone comes to you and says, oh, I'm eating so much junk food. Um, like, sometimes I feel like it's society saying I shouldn't eat this much takeaway. And sometimes you can get, you know, some decent takeaway. And... I think sometimes it's society <laughs> saying I shouldn't have that much. So if someone's coming to you and saying, saying, oh, I think I eat too much junk food, what would you say to them to kind of gauge whether it is a problem or yeah. not a problem? Yeah, I would just say something simply like, um, uh, how does that feel for you? Like, so it's putting it back to them. Like, it's it's not say, it's not saying, oh well, you're breaking the rule of what you should do, um, you know. But if somebody somebody sort of interesting conversation, and I know those conversations happen all the time. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, they're like, oh, I can't stop eating, blah blah. I, you know, uh, I've been eating eating way too much X Y Z. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, if somebody says that sort of thing, even if it's like a flippant comment, um, or even if they're sort of a, just a bit of a self deprecating kind of comment or whatever. Um, I'd bring it back to just, well, well, how does that feel for you? Like, yeah. you know, and get them to really question themselves, go, oh, actually, it feels okay. Okay, we don't have a problem then. <laughs> um, but if they say, actually, yeah, it's, it's becoming distressing, okay, well, did you want to talk about it? Or Yeah. I mean, that's mm. good, and I, I, I'm glad we talked about that because I think that is a common thing that we all mm. kind of say to each other is, you know, if someone's eating something that is bad, or you know, mm. morally bad, um, and they feel like they have to go. Oh, I shouldn't be. I know I shouldn't be eating this. I hear that a lot. I know I shouldn't be eating this. And sure, yeah. Say you know, like we talked about the chocolate. Joked about the chocolate for breakfast, and mm. I say, if you want to have cake for breakfast? Have cake for breakfast. It becomes yeah. Then. Um, yep, yep. Well, Somebody think, says to you, "Oh, I know I shouldn't be eating this." You know, my response would be, "Why? Like, why? 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 Why, why is why is that your perception? Like, yeah. and that, and they might give their justification, and then just bring it back to, well, how does it feel for you? Yeah. Like, and just be curious just and explore. Curiosity, yeah. yeah. Just be curious and explore. You know how mm. somebody feels about it, rather than how they think about it. I guess. Exactly. Um, yeah. So. How are we going for time? Okay, I think we've got time for more, some more questions. It's such an interesting topic. Um, oh, I could talk forever. <laughs> <laughs> um, how do we shift our mindset from this obsession with how to look perfect and what's perceived to be beautiful? I know we talked about it a little bit before, but where do we even start? So 
somebody's out there and um, they're looking at all these people on Instagram and they're feeling anxious and like, oh, I don't look like that. Or even for someone older like myself, I don't look like I used to anymore. Um, I don't have the body that I used to. Where do you start to shift to shift our mindset on it is, oh, this is where we're at today and that's okay? Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, you know, I mean, that, that's such a, a it's such a big question. I think it's got so many answers. Um, one thing that I say to myself, like I'll give you an example of what I say to myself um, when I become human and I, of course, have all of those comparisons myself, um, I say to myself, what would actually be different? Like, you know, if, you know, I might look at, like let's say I look at a, a photo of some other person and I think I wish I looked like that. Or let's say I see an old photo of myself where I was thinner and I think what happened? Like, I, you know, I, I want to <laughs> oh, be back girl, in you've let yourself go. <laughs> <laughs> but then I say to myself, well, what would actually be different though? Like, really? Like, That's would point. my life actually be different? Like, if I looked like that right now, what would be different? And then I sort of look around and I go, well, probably still have the same partner. Probably still be living in the same house. Yeah. Probably still be doing the same work. Probably still have the same friends. Um, probably still be just, you know, doing the same things that I do. Like, what would actually be different? Um, uh, you know, I think we, we, we get this idea that, like, being thinner or, you know, looking a certain way is going to solve all of our problems. But yeah. it's not about that. No. <laughs> it's not going to make us happier. I mean, if you no, are unhappy, you can be unhappy um, before and after I do like I do like the saying though when it says um, you know like if I'm um, if I'm gonna be unhappy I'd rather be unhappy sitting in a Mercedes than an old bomb uh, <laughs> I do like that saying. Oh, I, must I haven't heard that one <laughs> <laughs> I'd rather be sitting there crying in a Mercedes yes yes I will. <laughs> so what would you say to anybody out there that is struggling what would be your, you know, your main message to them? Yeah, like, look, just, you're not alone. Um, I know that sounds like a really trite kind of thing to say, a very broad sweeping kind of thing to say, but you're really not alone. Um, lots and lots of people have these issues um, and you probably are not even aware of the extent to, to how many people. Um, you know, some of my... My, some of my biggest client base, because, you know, I primarily see people for eating disorder treatment these days that, you know, people with eating disorders probably takes up about 80 or 90% of my clientele. Um, and so many times I'm seeing people from the fitness industry, bodybuilders, fitness models, um, you know, people who are health practitioners themselves. Um, uh, yeah, just, uh, you know, this doesn't discriminate. Um, you know, it, it's... It, you know can can be anybody really and and uh, you know when i when i when i see clients for these issues i often think you know when i first meet them that very first session i think to myself if i walk past this person on the street i wouldn't have a clue of of the kinds of struggles that they're having you know they look like they've got life together <laughs> you know so yeah. we, we don't we we don't know what's happening on somebody's inside just by looking at their outside yeah yeah that's good so I just want to thank you so much for giving us your time um, and we'd love to have you back in the future if we can get you back on board. Uh, I think this is a big topic and, um, you know, the more we can get the message out there um, around all of this, the better. 
Um, so comment below if you would like to see Bianca again or if you've got any questions for Bianca, we certainly can pass them on or I can um, somehow get her on to answer all your questions or um, connect you both. If you'd like to um, check out what Bianca does, um, you can connect with her personally at www.freedomfromfood.com.au um, or on Facebook, freedomfromfood.eu recovery don't worry i'll have all these links down below um and also on instagram freedom dot from dot food um just to end this um uh session or this episode i like to ask three fun uh fun um questions mm, gosh here we go <laughs> uh just like sometimes the topics can be a little bit heavy so just want to lighten it up on the end are you game to play? Yeah. <laughs> um, what is your favourite um, swear word? Oh, fuck, of course. <laughs> That's like every tenth word. It's like every tenth word in my vocabulary normally. <laughs> is it a full stop? <laughs> it just it says everything, doesn't it? It's just there's a fuck for every context. <laughs> It kind of, it just fits in life, doesn't it, really? It does. It does. I just, I, I couldn't express myself properly without it. <laughs> it really brings home the point sometimes when you need it to. <laughs> what is your spirit animal and why? Oh, spirit animal. My spirit animal. Uh, you know what? I'm going to think about birds. I don't know why. Something about flying, I suppose. Yeah. The idea of just being set free. It's very met metaphoric, isn't it? Yeah, I like that. I'd, I'd like to probably be let free and fly and then maybe shit on a few people. <laughs> <laughs> well. <laughs> Bob, <Yay! power. laughs> um, if you could have one superpower, what would it be? Well, we've just uh, we've just mentioned one there, haven't we? Um, I would like to, uh, you know what? I was I was just about to say that I would like to be able to travel to anywhere in the world instantly without having to do all the rigmarole and the fuss around it. Like um, which would be great. But then, like, I thought it, and then my counter thought was, but that kind of takes away the journey, doesn't it? Oh yeah. But Which I'd is like flick my fingers and be there. <laughs> yeah, like it, it kind of. I mean, it, it's representative of everything we've just spoken about for the last hour. I mean, <laughs> you know, we we all just want to get to where we want to go. Um, yes. You know, in terms of like you know our goals and all of these things, but we really don't appreciate just being present in the journey either. So, um, yep. actually, I'm going to revoke my answer there. That's that's not my answer. Um, as 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 convenient as it might be. Um, I, maybe my superpower would be to go back in time, um, you know, to see different different periods in time of history. Yeah, that'd be mm. cool. Imagine the conversations mm. that you would have with people. Yeah, that's right. Um, mm. So love all those answers. Lots of fun. Um, I really thank you so much for being here. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on this episode. Like I said, all the links in there um, we mentioned today are linked down below. Thank you, everyone, for listening and supporting the channel. Like and subscribe and whatever tickles your fancy. Don't like and subscribe. No, but like and subscribe. <laughs> but we'll see you next time. Now go and be your awesome self.
Great. Thanks, Jodie. Thanks, Bianca.